Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This last week, I visited one of our homebound members by the name of Bill. And every time I meet with Bill, he likes to tell jokes, or give me jokes written out on paper, like lengthier jokes. And I want to share you with you the one that he gave me this week. It's a poem, okay, a poem. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb? who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, said he. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. We all have this tendency and this distorted ability to, like, look down upon others. To label others as something that we consider less than, like in this poem, thieves, liars, sinners, trash. The moment I read this joke from Bill, I asked him for permission to use it today, which he granted to me, because it reminded me so much, not only of the gospel reading that we heard, but also of the story of Cain and Abel. In Genesis 2, when God made man, he recognized that this human was alone. And so God made him fall into a deep sleep and took some flesh from him and made another human, a woman. The human was no longer alone. Instead, he looked and said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And I think we have a tendency to hear those words and think, well, this is just about marriage, but in the scope of Genesis, it's not. Those words are about all of humanity. Every human being is to be able to look at every other human being and also confess, you too are bone of my bones. You too are flesh of my flesh. But humanity has seemed to find that beautiful reality to be a very inconvenient truth. Instead of trusting and rejoicing in what God has defined for us, instead of delighting in the equality that we all share, people have decided to usurp one another, to dominate one another. You see, maybe my definition of what is good and evil is, well, different than your definition of what is good and evil. And what happens when other human beings get in the way of what I define as good? Well, it becomes this inconvenient truth, and I need to either ignore the fact that they are flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, or I need to set that aside in some way to make sure I can maintain what I believe is good. We find a way to disregard that inconvenient truth that we're all of the same skin and bones. This is the story of Cain and Abel. Brothers, family, If anyone should be able to look at one another and say, this too is skin of my skin, that we are of the same blood, it should be family. 
brothers in this text, but Cain, angry and annoyed, looks at his brother Abel and no longer sees him as an equal. He doesn't recognize the common humanity that they share together. And any time the humanity of others is ignored or disregarded, it becomes violent. If Cain had acknowledged, Abel is flesh of my flesh, he would not have murdered his own brother. The story of two brothers is sadly not an isolated, one-off story in Genesis. This tends to be the pattern, it seems. It keeps showing up again and again, even amongst other brothers in the text. Israel, for instance, has 12 sons, right? 12 brothers, but the 11 despise one of them named Joseph. They are sick of his dreams and the attention that he gets, so what do they do? They see him coming and they don't say, look, here comes bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, our own flesh and blood. No, they say, here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him. Jacob and Esau, two more brothers, twins, right? But Jacob deceives and takes advantage of Esau and his father, for that matter. He preys on them in their time of weakness. He does not acknowledge them in the common humanity that they share. And Esau's response, he vows to kill his own brother. Noah's family, three more brothers. Something disturbing happens in Noah's family. Two of the brothers act kindly towards their father. One of them does not. Again and again, where there should be unity and equality, there is this division And this violence. But this isn't simply about siblings, about close family relatives. Noah's grandson is named Canaan, the start of the Canaanites, one of the ancient enemies of Israel. Jacob and Esau, Esau's other name is Edom, the start of another nation known as the Edomites, another people historically seen as enemies of the peoples of God. What does this mean? Why do I bring this up? It means that every single war in the Old Testament, every time the people of Israel fight against Canaan, any time they go to war against the Edomites or any other surrounding peoples for that matter, they're going to war against family. They're fighting against bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. The reality of Cain and Abel has continued to be borne out on global scale. The text highlights brothers, but this is about all people. It is about humanity and its corruption. This is not the ultimate desire of our God. It's not how he desires things to be. Instead, we watch in shock as he speaks to Cain in our text. Speaks to this one who murdered his own brother and he offers Cain a mark, marking him, one, to remind everybody, he murdered his brother, right? It's a mark that reminds him of his sin. But it is also all the more a mark of undeserved provision and undeserved protection from that point on. God is gracious, and he does not desire humanity to continue killing one another. Instead, we hear as he makes a covenant with a family, Abraham and Sarah, to bless all nations. God's desire to bless all nations is not as if there are different classes or grades of humans, as if one nation is better than another. Instead, it's his desire to restore the human family. 
to restore the beautiful reality that we're all bone of our bones, flesh of our flesh. God keeps persisting in the face of this sin, in the face of this violence, in order to bring about restoration. And we even see this in the story of Jacob and Esau. Remember, as I mentioned, Esau wants to murder his brother because his brother abused the family, took advantage of them. Their story ends with restoration. God persists. He keeps plugging away on and working away on Jacob with his mercy, his undeserved protection and blessing. And he does the same for Esau as well. So that years later, when Jacob is finally going to go meet his brother Esau, he's terrified, thinks his brother is going to kill him still. But when they meet, they embrace. They weep. And for Jacob, he declares to his brother that seeing him, seeing this skin of his skin, it's like seeing the face of God. Earlier this week, I was, I was privileged to listen to a presentation from Kao Kalia Yang. She is a Hmong author who lives here in Minnesota. She's written a whole number of books, but most recently, and the presentation was focused on, a book that she wrote of collections and telling of stories of refugees around the world. People she met, people she interviewed as she traveled around. And in her book, she acknowledges the horrors that many have faced in the world highlighting examples of places like Bosnia and Sudan. But also in the midst of telling these stories, showing their common humanity, these shared experiences. She also talked briefly about how Minnesota, out of all of the states in our country, has some of the largest populations of immigrants and refugees, specifically for the Hmong, Eritrean, Tibetan, and the Somali people. At the end of her presentation, there was a Q&A time And in the midst of offering an answer, she made this comment that stuck with me. She said, we are one family. Maybe we've forgotten that. Maybe that's an inconvenient truth, end quote. Every war in history, every act of injustice, every harsh and violent word spoken, whether it's in the public sphere or in the confines of our own homes or on our own streets or communities, every single instance is a story of family attacking itself, of flesh and bones, destroying flesh and bones. Even the subtlety of labeling others, thieves, liars, sinners, trash, or the attitude of the Pharisee in our gospel reading today, it's all violence. Violence against our own skin and blood. But God continues to work. Continues to work as he did with Cain, offering undeserved provision. He continues to uphold his promise to bless all flesh and blood, bones Jesus shows up to tear down the walls of hostility that we have built up between ourselves. Paul talks about this, that Jesus in his own flesh tears down the wall of hostility between Israel and Gentiles. Which if we're following in the scope of scripture is just another wall of hostility in the human family. He tears down our desires and our actions that separate us and instead he joins us all together as one human being. In himself, 
He reunites our flesh and our bones in his own body. The Son of God becomes bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh. He takes upon himself the reality, if you will, of the mark of Cain becoming sin for us, but also being this eternal sign, this eternal reality of undeserved grace. So that when we see him, when we behold him by eyes of faith, this one who has become skin of our skin, we are too seeing the face of God who brings restoration. He joins himself to humanity so that he can restore this beautiful truth of what we are. He reestablishes the human family with himself at the center, binding us all together in him. Jesus does not simply destroy the hostility through his crucifixion. He takes all people and joins them to himself so that we would no longer be separated various peoples, but one people in him, one great new humanity in this human Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is God's commitment to put an end to war, to cut off violent behavior, to put an end to harsh and accusative words and belittling attitudes. In his body, we are all one. Bone of our bones, flesh of our flesh, skin of our skin in the body of Jesus Christ, called to compassion in this shared reality that he is bringing about. It is this undeserved provision of humanity restored that God calls us to stop looking down upon others. It may seem subtle, and it may seem, at times it may be things we even don't even recognize in ourselves, but the moment we say something like, you know, thank God I'm not like so-and-so. Thank God I'm not like various violent people throughout history or that I see on the news. Thank God I'm not like that person who's just so backwards, or inconsiderate. Thank God I'm not so weird like those other people I know. Those sort of words and thoughts from ourselves, they really ought to disturb us, just as the story of Cain and Abel ought to disturb us, as we're failing to recognize others as skin of our skin. And in so doing, we're destroying our fellow human beings. Instead, With this undeserved provision and protection in his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus calls us to repentance in this new life in the Spirit. God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Relying on God's mercy and acknowledging our own constant need for it, it moves us to embrace the beauty of the truth of our common bond our equality that is finding its home in the very body of Jesus. He has promised that he is binding all people to himself and calling us to embrace this truth, even if we find it to be inconvenient at times, even if it's something we would rather ignore because it's just easier for what we think is best. Christ wants us to die to that sort of attitude, to put those sort of thoughts away by the power of his Spirit And instead, in our repentance, right, as we say, God, be merciful, have mercy on me, to turn then and be one another's keeper, to lift up, to support and provide for one another. Because in Christ's undeserved blessing, again, we are all one. And he is healing humanity that we may finally and fully live as one. That reality is coming about. We have been joined to him in the gift of baptism, empowered by his spirit 
to rely upon his grace and to live in the love that he has established for us all. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.